Welcome, listeners, to Season 5, Episode 2 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're watching A Quiet Place Part 2 from 2021. (laughs) But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be enjoyed somewhere beyond the sea. This episode will contain discussion on child death, violence, and ableism. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode. We'll see you next time. So I made the drink this week. Yes, you did. And it actually evolved minutes before we pushed (laughs) record uh, because originally it was an entirely clear drink, which I'm calling Peachy Beyond the Sea. Ooh. Uh, and the base of it was peach schnapps and soda water, but then it just looked like water in a martini glass. And then I, I just, it was missing something. I needed more of that sea element. Mm-hmm. And a light bulb went off and I was like, wait. <laughs> and I went and got a straw and I got our blue curacao. Uh, and I dropped a little bit in and it created this nice layered effect because it sunk right to the bottom. Yeah, it looks really cool. It reminds me of a candy that I can't remember the name of. But Ooh. also, if you had a little bit of red in this, it would be the American colors. <laughs> True. <laughs> and this is an American movie in an Amer- in good old United States. Yeah, good old country boy Lee Abbott and his his family. Mm-hmm. Hell Yeah. <laughs> If, uh, what are you thinking of this? It is very peachy, which was my intent. It is very good. Uh, or wait, you didn't say good. You said said peachy. peachy. It is very good. Different emphasis. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think uh, most of the peach is on the top for mine because I didn't really mix it. So I'm going to get a lot of blue curacao at the bottom. Um, but that's where the ocean gets deep and dark. So it's perfect. Um, I like it. It is really good. I mostly taste the peach. So all of the other ingredients aren't working hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the peach, it's two ounces of peach schnapps in there. And what my intent was is because if in A Quiet Place 1, you see the stocked food that the Abbots have. And there were like so many jars of peaches in there. Yeah, that's true. And so I thought, okay, well, this is very serendipitous because we have peach schnapps that I just bought for the show. So I knew that this would be the episode to use them in. Um, But to recreate this drink at home, you need two ounces of peach schnapps, about three or four ounces of soda water, a dash of lime juice a dash of blue curacao and to top it off a dash of mad lab distillings honey pomelo bitters heck yeah um and if you want to do what i did and use the straw technique or pour the blue curacao in first that'll allow you to have that nice layering Mm -hmm. you can use the back of a spoon to put it in as well depending on what if you want it on the top or bottom I guess it's gonna sink because it's heavy is it yeah I don't know I don't know how water or buoyancy works. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is very good. I can smell the limes now. Mm. I think I'm just stuffed up. So if I sound nasally in this episode, my apologies. Do you want to do our Patreon thank you? Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. I'm doing it? All yeah. right. Well, uh, with the changes to our Patreon, we are going to now thank everybody who is a patron. Uh, and, and, and if you want to be in this list, you can become a patron too. Special thanks to Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Curtis R, Aiden T, Olsbear, Jackie V, Janet S, Cat K, Redhead Rebellion, Les Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrey L. 
Thank you all so, so much for supporting the show. Like I mentioned, I just bought some peach schnapps for the podcast. We don't drink any of our liquor except when we're creating cocktails for the show for you to enjoy. And we wouldn't be able to do it (laughs) if you weren't supporting us on Patreon. Yes. Thank you very much. You make the show what it is to be. What it is to be? What yeah. it is to be. What it is to be. You sound like an old like 80s idiom. What it is to be. <laughs> Thanks. So this week we watched A Quiet Place Part 2, which they made me wait until a delayed premiere on May 28th, 2021. This was also a film that was only in theaters um, and a streaming service that we eventually had to get to be able to watch it. Mm -hmm. Written and directed by John Krasinski. It stars Emily Blunt as new mother of three. Evelyn Abbott, Millicent Simmons as the deaf daughter and badass Reagan Abbott, Cillian Murphy as reclusive neighbor Emmett, and Noah Jupe as anxiety-filled son Marcus Abbott. This synopsis was written by Nick Reganis on IMDb. Thank you so much, Nick. With the newly acquired knowledge of the seemingly invulnerable creature's weakness, grief-stricken Evelyn Abbott finds herself on her own with two young teens, a defenseless newborn son, and no place to hide. Now 474 days after the all-out alien attack, the Abbots summon up every last ounce of courage to leave their now-burned-to-the-ground farm and embark on a peril-laden quest to find civilization. With this in mind, determined to expand beyond the boundaries, the resilient survivors have no other choice but to venture into eerily quiet, uncharted, hostile territory, hoping for a miracle. But this time, the enemy is everywhere. (laughs) So they rush off to their neighbor, who's, I say neighbor, but he's pretty far away. It's a journey. They go off the sand path, and after triggering a sound trap, begin to run. This is when Marcus hits a bear trap that severely injures him. The group is watched by their neighbor, who sees them deal with the monster, thanks to Reagan's quick work with a guitar amp and her hearing aid. Emmett, the neighbor, begrudgingly takes them in, and they hear the song Beyond the Sea on the radio, repeating. Reagan puts two and two together that it is not a song but a signal she goes off on her own to find a boat and project her sonic interference over the radio evelyn begs emmett to go after her and she goes to get pain medication for marcus and oxygen tanks for the baby emmett and reagan find a boat and come into close contact with another group of survivors that rob them and try to kidnap reagan luckily the pair manages to escape and make it to the island where there is a small civilization of folks living well It's not long before Emmett realizes one of the creatures who actually can't swim made its way over to the island here via the boat they were on. Luckily, they rushed to the radio station booth and managed to broadcast the frequency just in time as a monster was about to attack them as well as the rest of the Lee family back on the mainland. Hit me with that trailer audio. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. It's uh, kind of ironic that one of the reviews in that trailer said this is the movie that theaters were made for, which 
is yeah. sad because we couldn't go to a theater to watch it. I really, really wanted to. Even with my immuno being immunocompromised, there was like a sliver of hope that I would be able to go to a theater to see this. But at the end of the day, it's just not the right time. I'm hoping that uh, once everything is done and it's safe to go out again, that theaters do like the 2020 to 2022 releases all over again. Um, yep. And then I guess they'd be extremely crowded because then people would want to see them all. Something I want to do, this is a total tangent, but eventually I would love to invest in like a home theater sound system. Yeah. That would be really cool. My father had one. My father. My, my dad father. <laughs> had one uh, when I was growing up, which was really great. It changes the movie watching experience uh, into something memorable, even when you're at home. Especially with our dying TV. Yeah. We, um, we're falling apart over here. <laughs> I remember when I saw that trailer, I was kind of worried that the sequel would be too like people like I sort of yeah, I don't know why it painted this image in my head that they were going to go into a city and it was going to be more populated with like scavengers and stuff and it would be mm. more last of us -y, yeah. but uh luckily that was not the case yeah they come they mention Emmett talks about how the people left aren't worth saving and yeah. we do come into contact with them in one moment in the film but it definitely was still very creature focused. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have some thoughts? I do. I do have some thoughts. Uh, so we watched this movie again last night with my mom. Spoilers. There's going to be a, a real deal later. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it was because I was drinking, but the emotions in this movie are just so high. Um, and what I mean is that like, every scene that somebody is supposed to be like conveying like an extreme emotion, it's so well done and so believable that I felt like I was going to cry like four times while watching this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and the stakes are so high, which really pairs well with it. Like one of the scenes in particular that I'm remembering is when Reagan wakes up and thinks that uh, Emmett had stolen her uh, hearing aid mm -hmm. and she portrays feeling just this absolute loss, the hopelessness so well that it's so believable and it's done entirely silent. Like all we could really hear was the buzzing of my computer and the emotions and the, and the stakes in that moment are so well done and so high that I felt so emotional watching her. Yeah, she is. Millicent is an amazing actress and that moment stood out for me too. The whole film is such high stakes. It's like the next day yeah. after uh, <laughs> the dad is dead. They have this new baby like, oh man. And I, then of course, right at the start, they get the bad bear trap on the leg. So like they're in really bad shape from <laughs> two days ago to now. Yeah. Maybe it was because we watched it immediately after the, like we did a marathon and there are so many moments talking about Lee that even even given the scene in the beginning where we see them all um, uh, day one, like mm -hmm. remembering all that they went through with Lee in the first movie just makes all of the references to him like so much more emotional. And you can really feel like the emotion of the family. Yeah, um, I thought that like with the moment of them hearing the song on the radio for the first time and like, why didn't they hear it? it it's because of the valley. Emmett explains like your dad would never find this and Reagan takes that so personally because yeah. she's just been like reaffirmed that her dad loved her and then he died and, <laughs> oh man and then later when Emmett is talking to Reagan he's like 
you're right. I'm nothing like your father, but you are. I was like, oh, God, right in the fields. Yeah, it was so good. And yeah, like Reagan believes that her mission is the only thing that's going to save literally the planet. Um, We don't have any clue if anybody else has figured out this idea of using frequencies. Yeah. But to her, this one device and this one mission she's on is literally humanity's only hope. So it's just all of the stakes and the nerves and just all right on the edge the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they go to the the commune with a bunch of survivors, it's like we can't really break because there's so many people out there that need our help. And it's so quick. Is it the boat that they were on that no. the creature comes on? Okay, I misspoke in my uh, write-up. Okay, yeah, they take a littler boat, and then we had seen one of the creatures crawling on what almost looked like a Coast Guard boat. So it just floated there? Yeah. And it happened to go in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Wow. Which, I mean, I don't know how currents work. <laughs> it could push it towards an island, for sure. Yeah. Especially in a horror movie where... Everything just seems to be anti-luck for the protagonists. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was really good. I, I, as my second point, as I had mentioned, is we watched kind of a marathon of this movie, and one thing that I notice with a lot of horror sequels is they'll sort of like turn up everything just for the sake of the the. I don't know, making it better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, making it better in quotes. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> getting feedback and so much praise for the first movie, I feel like a lot of directors feel almost like a pressure to not only recreate that, but taking it a step further. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially have, getting a chance to watch these two movies back to back, they did such a good job of keeping the tone the same. Yes. Um, you never, you don't really feel like the second movie is like a year later, uh, Reagan and her mom have become like badass shotgun wielding murders, murderers who kill all these monsters and are saving society. Like, and yet they also are, <laughs> but it's still like the one time that they do it, it works. But if, if there was more than one, they'd probably be fucked. Yeah. When, um, like how you were saying you were worried it was going to be too people focused. I was worried on this point about how uh, if they did decide to make it that extra big, like it felt like it was teetering on the line of maybe they were going to be more action focused. Yeah. But I, mean, I agree with you that the tone was very in line with the first. A very good example that we had recently just experienced ourselves is that we watched Evil Dead for the podcast when we did our, our quote unquote live episode. And mm-hmm. then just on a whim one night, we were like, let's watch the second one. And I'm like, I'm sure that it's more Army of Darkness is when it gets off the rails and gets silly. Right. Watching Evil Dead 2 was like watching an entirely different fucking movie. I kind of hated it. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated it. But um, a good example that I think that A Quiet Place is sort of following um the the guide of or like the inspiration of is back to the future which watching all three back to the futures together which we had done recently mm-hmm. felt like one long movie and while each of them sort of stood on their own merit i feel like the entire series is almost supposed to be watched that way um and i i'm hoping that when a quiet place part 3 comes out we sort of get that that same feeling for a quiet place where it's like, if we start one 
in the early afternoon and finish three in night in the nighttime will feel like we have watched just this long epic movie mm-hmm. um and so far so good two speaking for, yeah two for two, two, for two. <laughs> speaking of the third installment of the franchise which is supposed to be the last so far but who knows because originally this was just going to be a f- one-off a one g uh yeah <laughs> i was like what's the word uh march 31st 2023 is when uh it is slated for release a quiet place uh part three which i'm very excited about but of course this is pretty early on in production so who knows if that is what is going to happen especially with covid delays and whatnot <laughs> but i'm still very excited <laughs> Are you ready for the real deal? I am ready. Uh, so those of you who don't know, this part of our podcast is um, my mom's way of infusing our our reviews with, quote unquote, the real uh, description of how scary these movies are. Because we usually focus on the feminism or the queer aspect or uh, lighting and cinematography, but don't actually tell you if the movie's scary or not. So my mom has taken it upon ourselves to, or taken it upon herself to correct that. And she says, <clears throat> in my defense of this review, I watched A Quiet Place 2 immediately after watching the first one, which was so intense that I don't think I took a breath for a good hour. <laughs> Who would have thought that Jim from The Office could write and direct a thriller? Although there were some very effective jump scares and gripping moments, just ask Buddy, who eventually became my support kitty, I didn't find this one as captivating as the first, probably because everything was laid out in the original, so there was really no added surprises. I really enjoyed the muted scenes, which gave us the sense of what it was like for Reagan, and really did not enjoy how Marcus turned into a Carl from (laughs) The Walking Dead. Coral. Seriously, just listen to your mother, you little shit. (laughs) Although it is definitely not a horror movie, it did make me scream a few times, so it does fit in with the mood of this podcast. Kelly was drinking and sometimes crying while I was screaming. I give A Quiet Place numero dos 3.5 stars. And then shh. Um, And like Lee Abbott, uh, push push up against your nose when you're telling (laughs) someone to shush. I I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, we never said we have to review my mom's review. So yeah. if you don't have that's any, her take, <laughs> if you don't have anything good to say, don't say. <laughs> no, I thought, I mean, I think it's still a horror movie, but I always veer on the line of like thrillers and horrors kind of blurring together. Yeah. It's kind of like a monster thriller. Yeah. Um, I agree that the, I mean, the first was so great, but I don't think that the second one fell short. Yeah. That's what I'll say. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. With us since the very beginning, this distillery is Canadian and we love everything they create. We use their Honey Pomelo Bitters this week's drink. You can get their amazing products at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. I'm all done my drink and it was so dang good. Yay! I'm glad you <laughs> liked it. I really liked it too. It was very beachy. Mm-hmm. Beachy, peachy. <laughs> <laughs> 
This episode is also sponsored by Evil Amy, a Canadian business. They have an amazing, a wide array of products that are all horror related. You, they even get really into the Halloween spirit as well. If you're more into just spooky bitches stuff like that, <laughs> they've got you covered with some fun wine glasses, etc. At their website, evilamysterrorshop.com, you can use code EVIL10 for 10% off your purchase and they ship globally. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinking and I did add the new merch to the website. So you can get some uh, fuck Alfred Hitchcock merchandise. You can get Kelly drink, star drink, buddy drink stuff. And all of our classics are still on there. And there's going to be some more gay merch up there soon. Heck yeah. Click, 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 click. Back to the episode. <laughs> we were so in sync there, I whispered. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time. Do you have some of your own thoughts? I do. I mean, jumping off of your, what your mom was saying, I enjoyed how in the second film, we're actually getting the prequel of what happened on day one. A lot of horror films skip over that early apocalypse day because it can be very hard to do well. Yeah. And sort of this film also does that where we see the kickoff, but then we jump over the part of actually explaining what is going on here and we get to day 400 and whatever. Um, but seeing how the family interacted before surviving became their main job was really interesting to me. We got to see how the kids were and how their personalities really grew into fruition as the apocalypse continued, mm -hmm. which was very, very interesting to see. I would have liked to see more of that, um, but... I'm also like thinking of A Quiet Place 3. I'm like, I would do like day one to 400. <laughs> um, just seeing snippets of that is really intriguing to me. But then also the way this movie ended, the family is currently separated. We've got um, Reagan and Emmett on the island. And then we have Marcus, the baby and Evelyn back on the mainland. And that also seeing how they're going to find each other and deal with the aftermath of people either getting to the island or multiple areas now using the sonic waves on the radio to fight the monsters is interesting. Mm -hmm. We might get like day 14 at the beginning of Quiet Place 3, like maybe seeing them set up the farm or something. I'm like, do they just live on the farm that like what? Did they find the farm or do they live there? I don't know. I think uh, this is kind of like more up above part one than part two discussion, <laughs> yeah. but it's just so. Well, we see at the beginning of part two that Lee's hands are disgusting. And he so he's either a, they I think drive he's, a truck like. Yeah, I thought he was an engineer from the first one. Uh, so he might be a mechanic slash enge mechanical engineer or something like that. But that farm is huge. Yeah. Running that farm takes a family. Exactly. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see when part three comes out. There's no way they're <laughs> not going to get John Krasinski back because when they show the trailers, they have to have John Krasinski in them. Yes, I agree. 
And then my other point, I got to talk about how these ladies are so <laughs> badass. Yeah. But uh, joking aside, I always poke fun at myself in these. But the women are really at the forefront of decision making in this film. And they're kind of like forced into it because Lee is dead. Not that Evelyn had a lesser role. They were very much a duo in that first film. But now that Lee's gone, we also see Reagan really stepping up. Uh, and she wanted to before. But for some reason, Lee didn't want to take her to do the river duties or like the fishing stuff. It was always the brother. Yeah. And that was weird to me. They were still dealing with the death of the baby and all of that and that blame and guilt. But it there's sort of like an underlying feeling of Reagan needs to be protected because she can't hear. Yeah. And that also came up a lot in this one when Reagan leaves so headstrong because and she's the one that put this together that the message the message somewhere beyond the sea was telling people go to the island and she takes this all into her own hands to save the day. And then immediately her mom's like, you have to save her. <laughs> no, bring her back to me. I mean, there could also be an element of she's my little girl. She's the, she's the daughter. We can't, she doesn't have to do the hunting and the fishing and stuff, which I mean, so more gender roles. Yeah, exactly. Because less ableism, more gender roles. Yeah. yeah. Cause clearly Marcus doesn't want to do that stuff either. And whereas Reagan really does, um, and you like, she's clearly capable without her hearing. So I think it's, a, it's either Lee just sort of assigning his kids into gendered roles or he feels bad because Reagan, uh, thinks that she killed the, the kid early on. Yeah. So, but, uh, and then again, like Emmett is the strong masculine figure telling Reagan, like, you can't do this. This isn't this isn't happening, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of just like big men telling her no. Yeah. And even, even fucking Marcus tries to tell her no. Yeah, I'm going to tell. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm telling on you. <laughs> but speaking on that general thing, that is interesting because in this film, Marcus has to be the babysitter. He attends to his uh, new, I was going to say son, brother. Yeah. Um, and Reagan is off on this adventure and it's sort of like Reagan placed the family into this new mold by being so decisive. Yeah. Which was very interesting to watch. It made a very cool dynamic. And let's not forget Evelyn just fucking gave birth like <laughs> an hour ago and is like running across the country helping her kids like, oh my gosh, so much is going on. It does kind of make me uh take pause for a moment in that the only reason marcus was assigned to the babysitter role the like stereotypical femme role is because he got a fucking bear trap on his leg yeah it's almost like equating this like new dis disabled state that he's in with like oh now you have to do the like less That's true yeah i can see role. that and uh, then he still fucks that up yeah like hardcore he locks them in a safe without putting something to block the actual mechanism that closes it, meaning they can't get out Yeah, with a baby that has like 5% oxygen left on its tank. Yeah. And he wastes the oxygen so that he can go spy on Emmett's space. I don't know. Like that was so his motivations in this movie were very strange. And I don't know what we were supposed to feel for him because then he gets a redemption at the end. And it's like, 
Well, he didn't deserve it. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, it was weird. I still, I mean, he's a kid and a lot of scary shit is happening. So I can forgive him for some things. It was nice to see him have that walk up with the gun and the radio to the creature at the end was cool. And having that like in parallel with what Reagan was doing was nice. Yeah. It's kind of similar to your uh, critique of um, Bird Box, though, where like kids raised in that environment should fucking know better. Yeah, totally. But they aren't raised. It's only been a year. Well, it's been a year. Yeah. People make mistakes. We're all human. That's fair. Well. I try to have some sympathy because what it, what would I do? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, I've been quietly wandering around our apartment or house. I was wondering why you were walking around. Yeah. But don't, don't say anything because, um, I found this book. What is it? Uh, I mean, it it keeps clicking at me and like trying to listen to what I'm doing. Do the pages like kind of open up and like shift? Yeah. And and it's very fleshy and awkward for some reason. It's kind of like a book made out of flesh. So it's time to open the Reconomicon. My stereo's broken. Whoa. Whoa. My recommendation is The Mist from 2007. It's another survival movie about creatures that sort of just show up from no- out of nowhere. Uh, but it's also got like a strong human aspect to it and having to deal with people under massive stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, solid, solid ending as well. That's The Mist from 2007. Nice. I am recommending a film that we actually already did an episode on, Whoa. which is 28 Days Later, because it also stars Cillian Murphy when he wakes up uh, 28 days after a zombie outbreak. And it is a great survivalist film. I find it has very similar tones uh, throughout the movie. And that is 28 Days Later from 2002. Nice. It's time for Da-da-da! Scaredy Facts. Hey, everybody, it's time to snuggle up under the covers, get on the couch, get in bed, wherever you want to be, feel the warmth and realize that this was just a movie. This is fake. Well, as fake as it can be. <laughs> and these are some trivia facts, some interview segments, etc., etc., to find on IMDb and other movie sites to help us realize, you know, we'll be OK. The budget for this film I don't actually have, but I can tell you that it was three times the size of the first film. Whoa. That's as specific as I can be. (laughs) (laughs) A blink and you'll miss it moment, which I thought was hilarious. I have to include it. We haven't had a blink and you'll miss it in a while. Uh, The space shuttle toy from the pharmacy scene in the first movie is shown at one minute and 51 seconds into the sequel. You'd have to blink for a long ass time to miss that one. (laughs) Just close your damn eyes when the movie starts and you'll miss it. (laughs) John Krasinski has stated that he originally did not want to be involved in the sequel, but the producer convinced him to come over and pitch his ideas to the studio. And after three weeks, they asked him to write the story (laughs) with the idea that directorial duties would be handed over to other filmmakers. But of course, Krasinski finally offered to come back as director, jokingly suggested that he was Jedi mind tricked into signing on to the sequel. But when he finally decided on the idea, he was able to write the first draft screenplay in just under three and a half weeks. He just wants to go back to doing his military movies. He <laughs> wants to be Jack Reacher, the military boy with the shoot guns and stuff. Is it Jack Reacher? I don't. Jack Ryan, Jack Reacher, John <laughs> Wick. They're all fucking Jay 
names and they're all a bunch of military propaganda movies. So speaking of Jays, uh, there is a fun little nod to another horror film in this movie. It's a nod to Jaws from 1979 or 75. And it's in the opening town scene when uh, Jim or uh, Lee passes (laughs) by Brody's Pizzeria. This is a nod to the character Chief Brody from Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Nice. I also noticed that the um, baseball kids were they were like sponsored by Brody's Pizzeria. Ah. Usually in towns like that, like a small business will pay for the uh, costumes, uniforms, sports clothes. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Uh, this was cool. The youngest son, Bo, is played by young actor Cade Woodward in this first film. But of course, this sequel was filmed a few years later, but features flashback scenes uh, of the first movie or b- what happened on the first day. So Bo is actually played by Cade's younger brother, Dean Woodward. Oh, that's cool. I thought that they just had done some like CGI stuff, but no, it's actually his brother. Yeah, he probably he would have come on stage, come on to scene and been like, hey, dad, what's that over there? <laughs> I think he's a bit too young to start what? having his voice what's change. What's that over there, dad? <laughs> There's sure. a space, something in space. <laughs> Last but not least, Emily Blunt admitted that she was initially hesitant to join the project as she didn't feel like she could top the first movie. However, she was on board after she heard John pitch the first bus scene. She also admitted that the first take of that scene is actually the one in the movie, as she was also so terrified in real life by the stunt, which she performed herself and had the bus coming at her 40 miles per hour. Yeah. So to describe this scene, for those of you who didn't watch the film, she's driving with her two kids in the back seat. The uh, I was going to say animals. The creatures just arrived, causing chaos on the streets. Cars are going everywhere. She gets around. She She's driving and then immediately a tour bus comes right in front of her driving full speed and she has to reverse as fast as possible to get back to Lee and her daughter on the road. It was wild. Mm -hmm. I can't believe she really did it. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it was very heavily coordinated, but that still is like super nerve wracking to to do, especially if you get the first take right. But that's it for my scaredy facts. Final thoughts. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I uh, really, something that was funny to me before seeing this film, I was so certain that Cillian Murphy was going to be a bad guy. (laughs) The trailer was so focused on like people are bad and Cillian Murphy plays a lot of villains. Um, Funnily enough, of course, in my Reconomicon, I recommended 28 Days Later where he's the hero, but... (laughs) Usually when I think of Cillian Murphy, I think of red eye villain or I think of, yeah, the scarecrow. So it was interesting to see him play this role, which I'm now realizing maybe that's why there was that whole moment of Marcus going and spying because there could have been a reveal like that would be the time of finding out that actually Emmett is a bad guy. Yeah. So it was just he didn't. Bury his wife. Yeah, which yeah. is sad. Which I guess you couldn't do because you wouldn't be able to dig. Yeah. My final f- thoughts is that I hope that part three actually concludes the trilogy um, and that we don't end up with like a really long series that starts to get all jumbled and convoluted. Yeah, needed to be short, sweet, and amazing. Yeah, we've got so many things up in the air right now that once they're completed, I don't want more things up in the air. Well, that's been A Quiet Place Part 2, a movie about... Oh. 
Oh, because it's quiet. Yeah, it's because it's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching Superhost from 2021. If you've already seen it, you get that reference. Yeah. And we'll even be joined by the writer, director, producer, Brandon Christensen. Yay. And remember, always scream responsibly. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.